Hello, are you well? I thought you were. Welcome to the next generation. I'm Will, and for those of you that don't know me, or haven't already listened to the trailer, this is the political podcast where we talk everything politics, but from an entirely different perspective. The perspective of young people like myself, aged 18 to 25, you know, we are often overlooked in the mainstream media, and here we're going to talk about the week's political issues. Now, before we get into the politics of it all, quite literally, let's talk about the one thing that is on everyone's mind at the moment. Now, I know what you're thinking, it's not Brexit, but Christmas. Happy Christmas. Tis the season to be jolly. Or for this year, tis the season to be jolly careful, as the Prime Minister Boris Johnson said at the end of lockdown two, when announcing the new tiered restrictions in front of Parliament. Of course, it is definitely a different season and we should be careful with the year that we've had, the coronavirus pandemic, but we're now only 15 days away from the 25th and I feel like it's been a massive build-up, something that we've all been looking forward to and rightly so. It's going to be a very different Christmas this year, that is something we will talk about today, very different for all of us, but what I wanted to ask first of all is one question question I think that gets brought up quite a lot and a lot of people always wonder when is it too early to begin talking about and celebrating Christmas when is it too early I feel like a lot of people are going to have different answers with this one now for me and in our household at the moment with my parents I would say it's the beginning of December you know the first of December getting the Christmassy spirit it's when we put the decorations up the Christmas lights go up start thinking about Christmas presents, when I start thinking about Christmas presents, and maybe I am start quite late when it comes to thinking about Christmas presents, but I know to some people, um, you know, and I can understand people that do Christmas shopping all year round, you know, you get the best deals, um, but you, you get people that say, oh, it's too early, how can you start thinking about Christmas yet, and then the people who are really getting into it, from day one, from the get-go, and then the people that don't even celebrate Christmas. Now, even if you don't celebrate Christmas, I do think that with, you know, the year that we've had, everything that's gone on around the world in 2020, and I'll probably go on record to say this is probably one of, if not the worst year of my life personally so far, that's because most of it has been spent indoors. So it's been really good over the summer and now to get back out in a safe way, as safe as we possibly can, support local businesses, the local economy, whether that's going out shopping locally, going out for a substantial meal if you're in a tiered area that allows that, because the economy, local economy, national economy has really had a tough time this year with the lockdowns, with the pandemic, but it has also been a good time for us to recharge. Christmas is a good time for us to recharge, relax, you know, be around family as much as we possibly can, celebrate the end of 2020 and a much better 2021, and just have a good time and have some fun, a good few days, a good few weeks, and I think it's needed for all of us, regardless of whether you are celebrating Christmas or not. Let us know, when do you start celebrating Christmas, and to everybody out there, have the most wonderful Christmas possible and celebrate it in a safe yet enjoyable way. Right, let's get into it shall we, what we're all here for and I'm just going to take you through now what we're going to be talking about today as you know as we, apo- as we approach Christmas, 
just come out of a second national lockdown. So yeah, we are going to be talking about what everybody's been talking about all year. And I know you may be sick of hearing it, but I think it's still important to talk about coronavirus. You know, people have been um, recently, especially since, you know, the first lockdown ended, second lockdown ended, have been re- sort of feeling relaxed, feeling like um, they they know the virus, you know, it's not as bad as it once was, but it is, it's still around, you know, we still have to be careful, we still have to know the risks, and we still have to control it and be safe. So what I wanted to start by doing was to give you my view as someone who is 20, a university experience, you know, I've university student, I've experienced everything from going back to university or going to university for the first time, for me, during a global pandemic, now coming back home for Christmas, and all the precautions that I've had to take around that, and uh, what we've been told by our institutions and by the government. And just from our perspective in general, you know, I feel like we have been categorised as a group, really, throughout uh, the whole of the mainstream media outlets as a whole, you know, not just any single one sort of category where we are a group who are always um, seen to be flouting the rules, spreading the virus, super spreaders, I'm pretty sure I've heard young people be labelled as that throughout this pandemic, and obviously I think that's unfair as a young person myself, it is unfair for young people to be put in that bracket, and I think it's an easy, it's an easy out, it's a cop out, it's a scapegoat. And you're right, there probably are some young people who aren't following the rules and social distancing, you know, gathering in large groups, we've seen the images, the videos of university students, you know, big house parties going on, and that I've had to have be broken up, fines here, there and everywhere, but I don't think we've actually seen the other side of the story, any sympathy come from the media, or certainly from the government, about students going back to university and coming home for Christmas, and how tough it has actually been for us. So we're going to talk about that, and I'm also going to cover a bit about the vaccine this week. Obviously, it's been a huge, huge week in terms of the vaccine. You know, it's the, we're the first country to roll out the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. Um, it's been given out to the clinically vulnerable and old people. What I think about the vaccine, whether I would take the vaccine, because, you know, there are a lot of people out there who um, are, you know, there's a lot of conspiracy theories going on around saying it's not safe. You know, they've cut corners, and you shouldn't be having the vaccine until you know what the side effects are going to be. So we'll discuss and go through that, talk more about Christmas, obviously, the rolls over Christmas, what we can and what we are not allowed to do. Look at a, a little bit into the tiered system, and certain areas in the north who were originally in tier 3 since we've come out of the second national lockdown, and who are now going to be moved down, and London in the southeast who were originally in tier 2, and report next week when it's reviewed that they're going to be moved up to tier three and also touch a bit on what we can expect in january people a lot of people are thinking that now we have relaxed the rules over christmas it'll just lead to yet another lockdown in january so we'll look if that that's going to be the case obviously we've got the vaccine which is hopefully going to take effect we're going to see the effects of that when when it's been distributed so hopefully january when by the time january comes cases will still be falling now what i've seen is people and what i've heard from people are people who are quick to criticize the government sometimes obviously it's right to criticize the government they need holding to account but and at the start of the year when it or at the start of march when everything kicked off we were not prepared for the pandemic pandemic despite the warning signs being there we weren't prepared 
there was no PPE. They weren't prepared on testing. You know, people were sent from hospitals back into care homes without being tested, which led to an epidemic in care homes. And the criticism was deserved because the government weren't ready. But I don't think any government, well, not many governments around the world were ready because we didn't know what it was. And it's all new to us. And people criticised the Conservative Party and the Conservative government saying if Labour were in charge, things would have been different. But it's easy to say that in hindsight. It's easy for Sir Keir Starmer to sit on the opposition benches of the House of Commons and say, we would have done this differently, we would have done this differently, we would have, done, we would have been prepared in hindsight once we know. And now we know more about the virus. But I think in reality, personally, when it comes down to it, I don't think any government, regardless of their political party, would have been prepared. Because the resources weren't, they weren't there. And when we did eventually buy the resources, we were paying much higher prices for them. Because, of course, there was a lot more demand. But one thing I will say is, you know, we've learnt lessons. And I do have to have a bit of sympathy for the government. And I think a lot of people will shoot me down for saying that. But they have been working hard. They have been working around the clock. You know, I think what we think about the decisions, whether we agree with the decisions that they've taken, whether we thought they would be different, what matters is that they have been putting the effort in. You know, they've been they've been working non-stop and serving the country. And so you have to be sympathetic in a way for that reason. But overall, I think we should focus in now on students. I'm 20 years old, like I, I said in the trailer. I'm in my first year at university studying Manchester and studying multimedia journalism. Two years older than the age that you would normally expect or see someone go to university, you know, as soon as they graduate from sixth form college, um, sixth form college or just college with their A-levels, to this time, two years ago, I actually didn't want to go to university, I didn't have a plan to go to university, and I ended up doing an apprenticeship working in my local government for my local government in communications and that is where I started to learn a lot more about politics and start to get a lot more interested in politics and then obviously with Covid um, hitting um, in March the beginning of this year when it rolled around I realised that the job prospects on offer for me and obviously for everybody else were not going to be great you know, the economy was being shut down, we were going into lockdown, people were losing jobs, and there wasn't really any opportunities available for me to go for, so I chose university. thought maybe now is the right time to go. I'm a bit older, I feel more mature, so I applied and I got my place. But it was during the middle of lockdown and during the middle of the coronavirus pandemic, or summer, I wasn't sure if I'd even be able to move to the city of Manchester. I wasn't sure, you know what the advice for students was. At that point, there wasn't really any advice out there for students. Now, thankfully, I don't live too far away from Manchester, but I wasn't really fully prepared for my full semester. Um, I wasn't sure what was happening with my accommodation. I thought university would be wholly online, and maybe, not even, maybe I wouldn't even get the chance to move to the city that I was going to be studying in. And I was worried that I wouldn't get that so-called university experience that you'd expect. I knew I wouldn't anyway, because of all the social distancing rules. But I at least wanted to experience moving out. And the government weren't really giving any advice at all on how to prepare. Neither were the universities, and that's because they hadn't been given advice from the government either. 
And then we obviously had the whole scenario and fiasco with the exam results for students who were supposed to have their A-levels this year. It was obviously cancelled. And that was another failure on the government's part. And when it actually comes to going back to university, it took me quite a while to figure out how I was going to do it and how I was able to do it safely. So I actually had to do some of my own digging and some of my own research because it wasn't clearly evident from anything that I was reading in the media or anything that I was seeing on government websites. And it was all last minute, which was which was sad really and it was very worrying. They could have been they could a lot more help could have been given to students and a lot more help still should be given to students. And there's been enough criticism that I don't think there has been enough criticism of the government on their treatment towards students. I don't think it's been highlighted as much as it should be. And I wanted to use this as a platform to show people who maybe don't have children who are students and maybe haven't gone through this process that it's actually been a really tough time for us. You know, you've got so thousands, thousands, hundreds of thousands of students moving away from home for the first time. And you know, it's very, very scary. It's a scary process. And I was scared. It was scary in normal times, let alone in times where there's a global pandemic, where we're constantly worrying, how how are we going to be safe? How much are we going to be able to actually socialise and fit in and make friends due to the restrictions that are in place? So not only have we spent the majority of the year in lockdown, where we haven't been able to socialise or go outside anyway, then moving for the first time to a completely different city, or in some people's cases, completely different country, they only be then locked down again, somewhere where we don't know anyone and that we can't socialise because we haven't made any friends. I'm lucky to say that for me it's been a good experience, you know, and better than one that I originally expected. But this isn't the case for everybody. Um, and to be fair, they are thinking more now about um, students and how to make it as safe as possible for us all especially with um when it comes to um returning home for christmas to spend with our families student travel window was set up so between the 3rd and the 9th of december the past week just after lockdown ended we were able to return to our families having had at least one covid-19 test so that we would return negative or if it was positive we would have time to isolate and then return for christmas thankfully i made it home and I made it home negative, no risk. And so the seat, but to see that the government are actually finally paying attention, finally listening, and finally wanting to keep us safe is good, but it's took them long enough, and for me, it was too late. And I do think more sympathy should um, be shown to students. Everybody goes on about students breaking the rules, parties here, parties there, which are wrong, but it doesn't surprise me that it's happening when you are a student and you feel like the government don't care about you, why should you listen to what the government is saying when they're not listening to you? Especially first years, all you want to do, you know, is you move into a new city, living on your own, you want to socialise. It's natural to have the urge to go out and meet people. Cause it's really the only way that you're going to settle into that new environment and feel like that you're comfortable. Obviously, you do have flatmates, if you live in a flat, I know some people live in a studio on their own, um, who are part of your household, so you can interact with them. I live in a flat of four, I was able to socialise with them, make friends, so it's been good, but, but obviously it could be better. 
and I know that all students, or most, will agree with me when I say that we are really looking forward um, to when the restrictions are raised, so we are allowed to go out again, back to the pubs properly, back to the clubs where there's no social distancing, so we can actually get that proper experience that we have wanted and that we should have when it is safe to do so. Obviously that just doesn't account to just students. As we come out of the other side of this, and as we come out of the second national lockdown, it is great to get out again for us all. Obviously it's okay to still be wary, because there is a risk, but if you are following the guidelines that have been set out, keeping your distance, wearing your mask, then it should be okay. But I'd urge people to get out if they can safely. Shopping, you know, if you're in the tier areas that allow you to go for a substantial meal, go for a meal and just spend money if you've got money to spend and support the local economy because it does really need it. Now, as this month started, we were introduced to yet another set of restrictions. There's been so many this year, hasn't there? So, so many. I really honestly have lost count. And I think a lot of people are in agreement that the communication of the restrictions across the whole of this pandemic hasn't been the best at all. Obviously, you then have to look towards the government's communication team, the civil servants that are working down the street, and they have been in the media a heck of a lot this past year, more than they have under any administration, really. Obviously, we can't talk about that without talking about Dominic Cummins. The big story when he broke down, when he broke the rules by travelling all the way to Durham just to visit his parents, when he wasn't allowed, and when they had symptoms of COVID-19, obviously he was one of the now former top aides, but at the time he was top aide and senior advisor to the Prime Minister, perhaps the most powerful unelected official in government. He has a lot of power, makes a lot of decisions, has a lot of influence, and considering nobody knew who he really was before, unless you're really into politics, it's quite scary. And it led to everybody saying, well, if people in government are breaking the rules, then why should we follow them? And he had a big role, no doubt, in all of these restrictions and how they were communicated to us. Obviously, we've now got the tier restrictions, more localised approach, which I actually do think is better. Um, you know, it's the right approach and probably the approach should have been taken as soon as we came out of lockdown in the first instance. It prevent in some cases the government said it provides it would prevent second national lockdowns, but obviously it hasn't. But it does mean that in areas where it is safe for you to go out, safe for you to go to the pub, because you know there's not many people that live in that area or the virus there's so low prevalence of the virus, then we should be allowed to that. We should get the economy up and running in those areas. But unfortunately, in the areas where it's not safe to do, we do need to take public health into account, and we do need to protect the vulnerable. Obviously I'm going to talk about Manchester and prior to the second national lockdown and since the end of the second national lockdown it has been under the heaviest amount of restrictions. Now there's been the argument to say that the data shows that they should be in the highest level of tears and you know the cases the number of cases and deaths do show that but the support wasn't there the support for workers the support for businesses when they were shut during these localised approaches. Originally, the support received was very, very little, and it took some hard campaigning from the Mayor of Greater Manchester, Andy Burnham, 
um, the King of the North, as a lot of people in this part of the country like to refer him to. A lot of campaigning for him to get the financial support that he and everybody in the Greater Manchester area needed. And in many ways, I want to speak about the North. I'm, you know, I'm from the North, living not far from Manchester now, and going to university in Manchester. And you know, we feel like we've been ignored in many ways. The focus has really been on the South East and on London, and that jobs are protected in London, jobs are protected in the South East. And I think, if if anything, more this year than ever, the North South divide has become hugely more relevant and hugely more evident. Now currently Manchester is in tier 3 as is quite a few parts of the north. I'm currently in tier 2, one of the few areas in the north that's tier 2. Obviously London and the south east are also tier 2. There are reports that when all the tiers get reviewed next week there will be some movements around but at the moment as things stand in tier 2, pubs and restaurants are open, but you can only drink alcohol with a substantial meal. And that brings us on to the topic of substantial meals. What does that word mean, substantial? It's, it's a very vague term. Substantial meal could could mean a number of things. And the government have even pointed out that in law, you know, it it largely is down to the the set pub or the set restaurant to decide for themselves what constitutes a substantial meal and there's been the arguments that for does the virus really know whether you are sat down eating or sat down drinking and is there really common sense in some of these approaches approaches that are leaving businesses out of pocket yet again but you know we've got to be thankful that at least places are open especially over the christmas period and at least we can celebrate and enjoy ourselves but obviously in the safest way possible and that brings me on to perhaps the biggest turning point yet this year and in this global pandemic. It isn't Trump losing. That is a big turning point. But I'm talking about the vaccine. It's been approved. It's ready. The Pfizer and BioNTech vaccine has been approved. And this week has been started to be administered given to the elderly and the clinically vulnerable. It's fantastic news and it is something that we should be celebrating, although there's been a lot of negativity surrounding it. People thinking that corners have been cut, this has been rushed through and that the vaccine isn't actually safe. Yet it has gone through extensive trials. The MHRA, which is the body that approves all vaccines in the UK to be safe, has approved this one. And they are an independent body from the government, and I don't think that they would improve they would approve a vaccine if they didn't believe that it was safe. And all the top scientists have been saying, you know, Chris Whitty, Deputy CMO, Jonathan Van Tam have been saying that it is safe. And if they if they were first in the queue, if it was right for them to be first in the queue, they would go and have it. And I'm the same. I would go and have it. I'll be one of the last to have it because of the fact that I'm young. You know, There's this less chance of me actually dying from the virus but if it if it meant that I wouldn't then I'd have it and you know I have two elderly grandparents both over the age of 80 both classified in that category of you know elderly category 
you know, first on the list, one of the first on the list to get the virus. And if it means that I know that they're going to be safe, I know that then there's not going to be a risk to them, then, you know, it's it's amazing. It's amazing news and, it, and it's really exciting. And it really makes me believe that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and we're almost there. And, you know, the same goes for my parents, who are obviously a lot older than I am, particularly my mum, who has contracted COVID-19 earlier on during the pandemic. She works at a care home as a nurse. Um, and during the f- the first wave of the pandemic, there was obviously a big epidemic in care homes, and that led to her contracting the virus. Thankfully, she was okay. Thankfully, she's all right now. And she will be one of the first to get the vaccine as well, due to where she works. And it's just something we should all really be celebrating. After the year that we have had, and there's a lot of anti-vaxxers out there, but you're going to have to trust it at some point. You're going to have to trust it at some point. I don't think it's that corners have been cut. I just think that, you know, all the focus has been on this one vaccine, whereas in the past, multiple vaccines will have been worked on at the same time by different people. But now, tools have been downed and all the focus has been put on these vaccines. And this is why we are seeing them be successful and seeing them be approved and administered. I've heard wild conspiracies. You know, Bill Gates does have shares in Pfizer, I think it is. And there's been a lot of reports saying that, oh, now... Um, these elderly people have been have had the vaccine inside them. Bill Gates is controlling them. What is Bill Gates going to do with them today? You know, is he going to get them to buy all of his Microsoft products? But that is just a whole load of nonsense. I find it quite funny that the first man in the UK to get the vaccine was called William Shakespeare, and he was from Warwickshire. Is that just a coincidence? Maybe not. But yes, I do think the vaccine is a great thing. I do think it's safe. And if it means that we can go back to a more normal life, we can rebuild the economy, we can make sure that everybody is healthy and everybody is safe and things get back to normal and we enjoy ourselves again, then go for it. And this vaccine is the best way to get back to those times. Now, we get back to Christmas, and as Christmas approaches, the restrictions will be eased, and we will be allowed to mix slightly with a wider circle of family and friends over the course of the 23rd to the 27th of December. In Scotland, that is a maximum of eight people. It doesn't include children under 12, and in Northern Ireland, it's from the 22nd to the 28th of December. You can mix indoors in private homes and stay overnight, up to three households in a temporary Christmas bubble. There's no travel restrictions, but you can't go to a pub or a restaurant in your bubble, and you must not join a bubble if you are self-isolating. But a lot of people have still voiced their concern, you know, unsure whether this is safe to be done or whether it's just a PR stunt by Boris Johnson to try and get the headlines and be the guy, be the Prime Minister who's saved... Christmas. But honestly, I think we just need to use our common sense. You know, if there are people in a bubble that you are thinking about forming that aren't really vulnerable, that aren't unlikely 
to contract the virus, then maybe you want to do it. Or if, but there, if there are people, more elderly relatives, who would be in your bubble, who are more vulnerable, then maybe you think twice. But there are many precautions that you can even take when you are meeting as a bubble, you know, regularly sanitising hands and surfaces, wearing masks, staying two metres apart, not hugging anybody who is vulnerable, reducing the risk as possible and trying to have a most normal Christmas as you possibly can. So it's something that we're all going to be thinking about over the next couple of months, couple of weeks, what everybody's already been thinking about. We're even having the discussion at the moment in my family, you know, what is Christmas going to be like? Are we going to be seeing each other? Who can we see? Can we see each other at a distance and not spend a lot of time together? Just pop in, each at separate times at a distance, so we can see see each other, make the most of it, enjoy it, but in a set the safest way possible. And I think that's the mood across the whole of the country and it should be the mood across the whole of the country we're not in lockdown case because of the national lockdown back in november cases have dropped in england and deaths have dropped in england and that has allowed the government to do what they are doing but we'll hear more from them next week as the tier restrictions get reviewed now before we wrap up what has been an insightful episode i do want to touch and what we're going to be discussing next week, because next week is, it's a big week, it's a big week in terms of Brexit, obviously there have been crunch talks this week, yesterday, I think it was yesterday or the day before, where Boris Johnson travelled to Brussels to meet with the President of the European Commission, Ursula, Ursula von der Leyen, to discuss where, where we are at in terms of the progress of any deal, of course we will be leaving we will be officially leaving the EU at the end of the year it's not long at all to go now leaving it down to the wire as as many expected will it be a deal, will it be a no deal we'll be analysing that and dissecting that next week once we know more hopefully I'll be joined by a couple of guests still working on that and as the series progresses we do to get involved i want you to get involved if you're a young person age 18 to 25 and that you think there's something that we should cover or you might even have your own opinion and want it featured on here or want to be featured yourself on here or if you are older and are just interested in what young people think about a certain subject then get in touch you can get in touch with us on twitter at nextgen underscore podcast and I'll reply to any of the DMs, I'll have the DMs open, reply to any any messages, and just get the conversation going. You know, we can talk about things that matter to students, whether that be tuition fees, do you actually need to go to university anymore, how more important, how important is it to go to university in terms of getting a job, how much does class shape your political viewpoint, and can your political viewpoint change as you grow and as your life changes, or does it depend and how you've been brought up, and then the coronavirus debate, the public health versus the economy, which should we prioritise, which have the government been prioritising. Now I said we'd touch on what to expect in January before we go, as we enter 2021, what is hopefully going to be a much better year, I'm really excited for 2021. Um, In terms of the virus, 
The truth is, we don't really know. We can only really judge what's going to happen based on what the figures are like in January. You would like to hope that with the rollout of the vaccine, that numbers of deaths, people dying as a result of COVID-19 will drop. And obviously there'll be all the big news around Brexit, whether we have left with a deal or without a deal. And I have no doubt that that is a big story, a big event that we will be covering. So I'd like to thank you for listening to the very first episode, first of many more, and have no doubt about that. And we'll be joined by guests on some of the episodes, so it'll be good to get their viewpoint on some of these, rather than just listening to me bang on about everything. And of course, if you want to get involved yourself, follow us on Twitter at nextgen_podcast. underscore podcast. Thanks for listening.